Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm declaring right here and right now that when the Snyder Cut drops, for all four hours, if I watch it all at once or if I watch it in two different sittings, who knows what's going to happen? I will be wearing my official branded Man of Steel t-shirt for the entire thing. That's that's all I have for tonight. Thank you, everyone. I'm Anna Malk. And I'm Britton. Alex, uh, when you were purchasing that shirt, did you get like a large or next to large, or did you go for a tighter cut? <laughs> uh, this was uh, several... No, wait, hang on, hang on. Let the audience get it. Let them get it. <laughs> it's a thinker. It's a thinker. <laughs> I was going to say, this was like... Five or six years ago that I got the shirt, so back then it would have been like a normal size. Now it feels like a tighter cut. Oh, okay. All right. Big guns Alex over here. Yes, that's that's what I meant. And crushing all that creatine. and creatine, It was creatine quarantine, baby. Alex. Britain, don't, don't reveal my secrets like Alex, that. Alex, it, it, is, it is very brave of you to commit to wearing a t-shirt during the Snyder Cut. Look. I'm not going to say all of us have choices to make in life, but... He'll need something to rend asunder really, in anger. Look, really, Alex, you didn't owe us anything, but instead look, you're choosing only to men, wear the shirt. Tyler, Tyler, only men are brave, okay? Only men are brave. Now I'm going to go hit myself on the head with a, a toilet sink. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> Only men are brave, but we are not men. Wait, wait. <laughs> Other can... Snyder references. Anyways, this week we watched Ocean's 12. That's right. It's our big <laughs> Valentine's Day special. Correct. Uh, as you guys are noticing, this episode's out a little bit later than usual. We had some technical difficulties. So we are coming at you for our Valentine's Day special. Oh, God. And we it is all about love here at Here Come the Sequels. And we're talking all things love with Ocean's 12. Are we? <laughs> I mean there's there's some kissing in it. We've 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 added this theming in uh 2 minutes into the episode. I I I was not prepared. I have not done the, the requisite <laughs> kind of note taking to uh to make sure we establish this. I mean it just occurred to me <laughs> when, when we decided to reschedule the episode. And, and now I'm going to mess it up even further by purposely releasing this on Monday. Alex, what are the uh, <laughs> grades for Ocean's 12? Look, it's Valentine's Day somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a made-up holiday anyway. Ocean's 12, directed by Steven Soderbergh from 2004, has a 55% critic score on Rotten hmm. Tomatoes and a 60% audience score. Harsh. Yeah, I think uh, broad strokes, this is considered the weakest of uh, probably all four. I know some some people don't like Ocean's 8, but this is probably considered the weakest. Interesting. Because so. hmm. I enjoyed it more than the previous one. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I... I enjoyed it less, but I still liked it. I enjoyed yeah. it differently than the previous one. <laughs> wants to go... Maybe that's... Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead, because maybe that's a good way to describe it, because my best thing about this movie is just the, the comedy. I found it very funny. I mentioned in the last podcast how I 
wanted more of like comedy Clooney and totally got it in this Mm -hmm. one. He's so funny in this. There are a couple of scenes of him just staring at somebody or something with his face unmoving. And it is so funny both times. Um, when Matt Damon starts reciting lyrics to Led Zeppelin music and Brad Pitt's like rubbing his eyes and Clooney just like stares at the cutaway and they cut back and Clooney is still in the exact same. <laughs> and then later he and Brad Pitt are like hanging out uh, and in, in the hotel room and wearing robes and drinking wine. And at one point he tries to pour some wine into Brad Pitt's <laughs> glass and it just goes everywhere. But the whole shot, Clooney is just staring straight ahead, and then Pitt's doing this monologue about his relationship and what he wants, this whole thing, and they're watching a dub of Happy Days, and Clooney says, the guy doing Potsy is unbelievable. (laughs) That's it. Like, he's so funny in this, and Brad Pitt's really funny, and Matt Damon's really funny. Um, So I think I just had that. And the last one has some has, mm-hmm. is funny, but I feel like this one kind of ramped that up in a way that didn't feel too broad for me. It felt like they just leaned in more to the comedic timing abilities of their of their stars. Um, my worst thing is pretty minor is that the R word gets thrown around a few times. Yeah. That's not cool. Admittedly, it gets thrown around once by Topher Grace, who's very funny in this movie otherwise. Um, and he's clearly not supposed to like it, but then later Affleck and Scott Kahn throw it around to insult each other. Like, it's not a... They don't use the word about a person with disabilities, but it's still, like, don't do not do that. Yeah. So... I, I appreciate that at least that's given to, like, the characters that we're not supposed to respect very much. It's given right. to kind of the dumber characters. Like, if, yeah. if Clooney and, and Pitt were, were throwing that around, I, th- I feel like it would be more of a problem. Definitely. Definitely. But it, it is not used... Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. But it's like the oh, the brothers are idiots. Oh, Topher Grace in this movie universe is like a, a complete idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, who's who's what do they say? It's like you're going all Frankie Muniz on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. In our universe, he That's took uh, he did take the Spider-Man 3 role for, of of Venom. So, I mean, his his intelligence is in question. Uh no, meanwhile <laughs> in the uh Meanwhile, in the universe of the Oceans movies, he's, like, prepping to shoot Revenge of the Sith, and that's why he's got the long hair he took on the Anakin <laughs> role instead of Hayden. And a shirt that says, your boyfriend wants me. <laughs> so funny. Which is also a very Revenge of the Sith thing. Anyways, Britton, what is your, uh, what's your worst thing? I just said it. The R word. Oh, that was it? Okay. <laughs> we just had a, we had a conversation about this. No, no, because I, be, I, I, I got... You gotta be pretty quick on the uptake to keep up with the sequel book in our group chat you kept saying you had a hard time coming up with something so i thought you were oh, going to yeah. spend more time on it when, yeah, when no, you finally did it. okay mm, i apologize unlikely story mm-hmm. um i can go next if look uh... look you can just mute me for the rest of the episode tyler <laughs> the power is in your hands <laughs> for oceans for 12 it. this is the one i need to be muted for <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting too outrageous with your opinions here. Um, for, Ocean's for Ocean's 12. 12. Uh, we can't stand your hot takes about Ocean's 12. Um, my <laughs> best thing and worst thing are the same thing, which is that the movie is... It very much feels like, especially in the first third, uh, <clears throat> it very much feels like they got the cast back together, stuck them in a room, said, all right, let's let's just spitball ideas and have some hangout scenes where we are just all mildly antagonistic towards each other. 
and we're just gonna we're just gonna go shoot some places. We're gonna spend some money. <laughs> we're gonna just <laughs> hang out, and eventually the movie will come together. Um, and Britton, to your point, it it sometimes it is genuinely hilarious. Uh, another, yeah. you mentioned that Brad Pitt gets a couple of just like very like silent stares that are perfect, perfectly timed. Um, there's one where his detective ex girlfriend the the uh lady who's investigating the oh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones, but I can't remember her name in the um the film. Oh right. I don't um she shows up at their door at their apartment door and knocks and Brad Pitt opens the door, stares for the perfect amount of time and just immediately closes it with no reaction. <laughs> 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 yeah. There there's a few bits like that. It's 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 got some really spectacular like Clooney and Pitt especially are just Yeah like amazing in this in very comedic roles um but then also i think because of that the movie does not have nearly the same punch in terms of a a plot and a script <laughs> in terms of things sure. kind of coming together at the end and having a big payoff uh we can talk more about that but at the end of the movie i was just kind of like all right i guess we're uh, i guess we're done here that's that that was yeah. the the twist cool um <laughs> yeah just not quite to the same level as uh the first one in that regard right yeah I, I would agree this one is like it's definitely very entertaining but it doesn't have the same kind of slickness yeah i think um kind of in the same boat tyler where my best and worst things to kind of cross over or maybe maybe they are kind of the same thing um my favorite thing is just going to be the overall style of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it feels very in line with the first one, which I appreciated. It doesn't feel like they're doing like a completely different thing. Um, the the thing that kind of sticks in my brain is that opening scene that's like a flashback when Brad Pitt is with uh, Catherine Zeta Jones's character, and he realizes that she's about to figure out that he's yeah. the one that that robbed whatever i can't remember if it's a museum or whatever it is and he just jumps out the window and it freeze frames but it's all blurry yeah and then it shows oceans 12 and i I just thought that was like a really weird fun choice and i I think the movie is just kind of full of that stuff and it's nice that you know i i think this movie is a good example of of kind of the the problems of excess that can happen when a director has complete creative control over a movie um but it's nice to see that that Soderbergh's kind of flourishes are still present. Yeah, I really liked, for instance, the uh, the, the long shot of Brad Pitt getting on the phone, and mm-hmm. uh, he walks down, and his car blows up. Like I liked yeah. that whole yeah uh, uh, little little bit of camera work quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I like a long tracking shot that goes to something that's already in progress or something blows up. I that always <laughs> right. impresses me because I'm like, they were already dancing in that gym. <laughs> They were just, what? <laughs> Are you seeing this? Um, my worst thing for the movie is just going to be the overall self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, to your point, like the first movie and the thing that kind of we, we discussed the most in terms of positives, it's very focused. It has a goal. We are going to rob the the casino of its money, and it's it's all centered around that. And this one, I would argue, almost doesn't have a plot. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got enough that like, it's not completely nonsensical, but it's not about that at all. 
Um, so I think that that's part of how you need to set your expectations going into this is like it's not the same kind of movie or it's not after the same thing that the first one was, which I can appreciate in terms of not wanting to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. I respect it on that level, but there's just a bunch of weird choices that that just kind of I don't know why they needed felt the need to go there other than eh, we got the money. Warner Brothers has given us a check. Let's just have some fun. <laughs> um, I think I, I have a hard time deciding kind of what my worst thing is. It, it, there's a couple of different plot developments that just kind of bother me. Number one being uh, the fact that Tess plays Julia Roberts. <laughs> and I loved that. I thought that, that was only, so funny. That bothers me just from the OCD part of my brain that's like, but then you have actual actors in the movie. Like, it doesn't make – so in, in that world, does George – is there a George Clooney and does Danny look like George Clo- – like, it, my, my brain goes haywire trying to figure that out. And I know it's not that kind of movie, and I shouldn't be worrying about that. Yeah. <laughs> but – I, I don't know. I, I just thought I, that's a very weird off kilter choice, and I think the more times I watch it, the less, the more acceptable it is to me. Sure. Um, so that's probably not my worst thing. Um, it might just be Vincent Cassell's dance through the laser trip wires <laughs> to get to the the Fabergé egg, because I, I got nothing. It's just so weird. Because <laughs> I, I I was really. When they ha- when the, when when they cut back and forth between him just doing capoeira on the roof, and um, certain members of our team getting arrested, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. Like he's just slickly doing his own impressive thing, while our team is getting just torn apart. Like, oh, that's kind of cool." And then later I went, "Oh, it's so that he can." dance around the lasers like yeah. sly cooper and yeah i i can't tell if the movie thinks it's it, it, it is funny or if it's like cool and slick and right, stylish right. i think it's kind of embarrassing um i it, it's just really really goofy and you know like i said just kind of the fact of like the 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 weird futuristic technology that they have in this universe is mm-hmm. it just confounds me. Like they have a hologram machine that Eddie Izzard built. Um and then they've got laser trip wires and the last one they had that weird EMP machine thing. Um so I don't really know, like that stuff sticks out to me. Um and also the effect of the laser wires I thought was kinda bad. It just seemed kinda cheap. Um but yeah, it's just a really bizarre scene and I don't know. I, I don't want to immediately just be like, oh, like, my my brain automatically goes to, like, Spider-Man 3 and the d- dance sequence and that. But just, like, anytime there's just, like, a weird out-of-place dance sequence, my, my brain just, like, the, the, the red alarm <laughs> goes off. I will say. Genu- oh. Yeah, this is a genuine question. Did you feel that way in Joker? Because there are two in Joker. <laughs> no, because that actually felt like a part of the character, and it happened throughout the movie. Like, that was a part of his development. Gotcha. It was a symbolic representation of what that character's going through. It's not just, oh, I guess Peter wants to make Mary Jane t- jealous, so he's going to dance like an idiot now? <laughs> or, oh, Vincent Kinsell, he's so cool. He's so suave. Like... This feels like something out of an Austin Powers. I, movie. I will say, uh, at the end of that dance sequence, uh, the the Night Fox put some respect on his name. Um, he uh, <laughs> he does jump up and click his heels. 
Yes. Yeah. So I I kind of feel like it's supposed to be a little over the top. The the only it didn't actually bother me within the the context of the movie. It did bother me because I think there's times where you can tell that the tripwire is not like you can tell he danced and then they put in the tripwire effects right. and kind of just had right. stuff floating around cuz there's definitely times where like it's almost an optical illusion where there's one behind <laughs> yeah. him and then he does something and then it's just kind of in front of him with like without Yeah, him and then like there were parts where I was trying to look at the source of where the the wire was coming from, and it's like there's nothing there. Like you literally just painted in laser effects after the right. fact. Like there's nothing setting this up on set, right. um, which I found kind of frustrating in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like a single scene in the movie, and it's like our our bad guy who's already just kind of silly. So I'm not gonna dock the movie too much for it. It was just like. I, I felt like that that was kind of the movie reaching the peak of like going too far and just like you, you didn't need to do that yeah, by no I, means a deal breaker but yeah I, I i'd forgotten that he danced through the tripwire because during that whole scene i was i had already just painted myself with clown makeup and was just convulsing in my bathroom <laughs> <laughs> because i was just so into cinema <laughs> Look, Britain, you were like in the middle of a I... character arc. I completely understand. <laughs> yes, mine, mine was the character arc of having seen a Criterion DVD. I will be interested in, whenever we get to the Jason Bourne movies, just because Matt, you know, Matt Damon's obviously the star of most of those. Mm. Vincent Cassell is the bad guy in the the last one, mm. so it's just it's very weird, like seeing both of them back in that mm. in a very serious context like i'm just like that's that's linus and that's the guy who was dancing through the tripwires like <laughs> i was hoping you were going to say because jason Bourne does a dance with a lot of like fast cuts <laughs> so that you can never really tell what's going on and now now i need a, a dub of of that 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 guy who's like a meme out of the jason Bourne movie he sees footage of vincent cassell dancing it's like jesus christ it's the knife box (laughs) (laughs) oh my oh my god it's monkey strap from cats (laughs) my god it's the rum tum tugger (laughs) lordy um (laughs) i um I, I, it's interesting because I think we a lot of times on this show we, we deal with a sequel that is so much bigger than the first movie and that usually doesn't work out super well. I, I think about Pitch Perfect 2 is a good example mm-hmm. of this where it's like the first one was like a movie and the second one's like a Hollywood sequel. Right. And I think this one does that too and yet it still feels so reined in compared to other kind of like surprise hits that spawn unplanned sequels. Right. Um, this one definitely has more money and more celebrity cameos, and it's bigger and sillier. But it still f- it doesn't feel. I don't know. It still feels more contained and yeah. more guided, even along. And maybe it's because I like Ju- the whole test as Julia Roberts thing. I thought that was just super funny. Um, I I I thought the Julia Roberts herself did a very good job, and I thought she was really funny. Like just laughing and freaking out over seeing Bruce Willis and, and all of that was great. And um, I like that they said she's from Smyrna. <laughs> like, that's a made-up <laughs> name. <laughs> like, there's that's not a real town. <laughs> like, why would you name a town Smyrna? Or, like, 
<laughs> like calling something Murfreesboro. Like, that's not a real word. Um, but I thought all of that was very, just like really silly and random. Uh, but I think the reason it didn't bother me in terms of it feeling like out, out too out there is because it still felt guided. I'm like, okay, they're, they're going crazy, but I, not like going crazy, but like, okay, they're just getting silly with this part. But it felt like Soderbergh went, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's the silly thing. Here are the lines for that. Actors, let's talk about how we want to do this. Let's do it and have it ultimately be followable. It, it didn't feel like they lost control of the train. Sure. It feels like he was like, we're going to take the train through a very silly place, but I know exactly what we're doing. And I think, yeah, it, it is definitely, as a movie, smaller scale. Um, yeah. Then you see a lot of big Hollywood. And I think I saw somewhere that S- Steven Soderbergh actually wanted the same budget he didn't want to i did yeah i saw that too um get you know double the budget and be like let's let's take this to one billion dollars uh apparently he wanted to keep the same uh general vibe uh and basically the only difference really is that they go to europe um and even then they're not it's not it's not a fast and furious situation where they go to europe And or or the Middle East or something, and it's like the biggest towers. We got to go to the London Bridge. Yeah, we, you know we we have right, to show right. uh, the most insane things happening. It's it's no, it's uh, they're they're stuck in an apartment still or at a hotel. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not. It's they're not living a life of glamour. They're still just trying to pull off a job. Yeah, they're not slowly getting getting out of cars with several buttons undone. Sure. <laughs> Matt Damon I also found very enjoyable in this. I thought that he was really because uh, I haven't seen him play a lot of characters like that who's just like the nerdy kid mm-hmm. who's like but no, I, should we really be messing with a guy? We shouldn't call him a freak because the uh, the World Health Organization has determined that you shouldn't call He's like, I don't know. I found all of that very fun because I don't get to see Matt Damon do that stuff. And uh, apparently they filmed, I want to say it was Peter Fonda. They filmed him with a scene where he was his dad but it was later cut. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I obviously don't know if his dad comes into the third one or not, but um, I... Like, Cherry Jones comes in as his mom, and that was cute. Um, it was funny, because by the time I realized she was doing a southern accent, the scene had ended, and then she had dropped the southern accent. <laughs> yeah. Like, the character had dropped it, so I was, like, putting everything together, like, a step behind. <laughs> but, no. Matt Damon specifically, when he is going to, uh, he goes up to Brad Pitt on the plane, uh, and everyone's sleeping, and he's trying to get Brad Pitt to give him a bigger role (laughs) because Uh he's been working, he's been doing a lot of research, he feels like he deserves it, Uh, and and the way Brad Pitt plays along with this and continues making snarky comments about how he's keeping him up and not letting him go to sleep, Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's very funny, and (laughs) this leads to. The conversation you were talking about, Britain, with with Matt Suey, who is Robbie Coltrane, um, right, right, and uh, they're all sitting in a restaurant speaking nonsense, and Matt Damon's the only one who doesn't know that they're just trying to mess with him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he after he talks to Brad Pitt, he goes back and sits at his seat on the plane, and then like turns around and gives him like a double <laughs> thumbs up, <laughs> like yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, that was pretty good. I, I also noticed so, – so this is a question. I know that Carl Reiner, his character was like, 
I'm too old. I'm not going to do this. And then later they show him being kind of sad that he's not a part of it. And then he's suddenly in Europe playing the role of the doctor, seeming to know exactly what the plan is. Are we, were we just to assume did – did, did I like miss a scene where they contact him or were we supposed to assume that he was a part of – that when they roped Tess in, they also got him in? I I have no idea. I okay. think the, – The movie doesn't really give enough evidence for either interpretation. Yeah, if, okay. if I'm trying to go off of the way the scenes are structured – because there is the scene where he's sitting there uh, saying, you know, oh, I, I, I just don't know if I made the right decision. I feel bad. Right. Um, and then he pops up. That makes me feel like he decided he wanted to help them. He realized this was the, what the plan was, and he mm-hmm. – uh, showed up to try and help them out because yeah. he he figured it out somehow. Okay. and I, I did kind of appreciate, because I, I, we can get into kind of how we feel about, I, I feel like this movie is a bit cheeky with all of the, the twists and double twists and triple twists. Like it's, it feels like it's uh-huh. just a twist upon a twist upon a twist. Um, I do like how in the third act, like, it's like, oh, half the team's captured. We've got, like, this last-ditch effort. It's probably not going to work. And they're just building up the tension with with this Bruce Willis scene, which is quite funny. <laughs> um, and I'm like, is that the last time Bruce Willis cared about <laughs> acting? Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, Ryan Johnson directed him. Never mind. Um, uh, but I, I like how we kind of have the ramping up of tension. And he shows up, and it's like, oh, normal movie logic tells me that they're actually going to pull this off because he comes in and saves the day. Yeah. And not 30 seconds (laughs) later, does Catherine Zeta Jones walk in to, to spoil their plans. Also. Yeah. Not bold of you to assume that Bruce Willis wasn't there on accident. Like (laughs) he wasn't also just, (laughs) I mean, realize it was like, Oh, I can get into this film set. I'm Bruce Willis. It's fine. And then he's maybe he genuinely did not know they were making a movie (laughs) and was like, Oh, that's Julia. That's what I'm saying. He actually thought it was Julia Roberts, which it was, (laughs) but it was Julia Roberts playing a character who's not Julia Roberts. And he's like, I don't know about this. I also liked, and I like the constant, they have like two, I know Matt Damon. And I think it's like a guard or something. Say you, you overhear them saying, when they didn't see you in the restaurant, that's when I knew. That's when I figured it out. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was all very good. And I, I like that his whole thing is that he's just trying to get his daughter's SpongeBob towel mm-hmm. back. <laughs> that they lost it at Julia Roberts' house or something. Yeah. Oh, that's all very funny. Um, uh, Bruce Willis. Because yeah, apparently he they wanted him for Danny Ocean, but he couldn't do it for the first one. And so... Mm-hmm. That that's why this is him, I guess. I don't see. Yeah, it. I can't. I can't imagine that would have worked yeah, as well. It's it's an odd. <laughs> we need a Bruce Willis type. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Although they God, because uh, then then we w- we would have had to see like his his but. acting like him him caring like it would decrease exponentially between each. That's film. true. Oh, that's yeah. very true. I, until they give him a scene where he gets to play jazz or gets to play, <laughs> play harmonica and sing. And he's like, guys, I'm going to go undercover on this one. And they're like, oh, Danny, I don't think we need to. He's like, no, no, no. And he puts on like a trilby and he goes, call me Bruno. <laughs> you guys know about that, right? No. Like his singing career? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bruce Willis has a singing career. And I believe that his one of his albums is called The Return of Bruno. That's amazing. Oh yeah, it's 
It might be a Chris Gaines, Garth Brooks situation. I don't know. Listener, uh, so that you can also be in on it, uh, I'm going to insert that album right here. Whole in its entirety. Uh, This podcast will be an extra few hours. Look, I'm I'm not going to say that A Good Day to Die Hard would have been saved by a Bruce Willis musical number, but... I like to imagine it's a sort of a... Was it Duke Silver? Is that Ron Swanson's alter ego on Parks and Rec? I like to imagine it's like that. (laughs) Um, uh, I had something. Oh, that uh, Albert Finney is in it. Another Steven Soderbergh alumnus from Aaron Brockovich, starring Julie Roberts. Yeah i I thought it was a little strange that he just came in for a cameo, basically. Um, I imagine I that was like... just because, like, they're like, "Oh, well, the way we're setting this up, like, this has got to be a cool, famous person." He was like, "I know Albert Finney." <laughs> <laughs> well. I... I, I don't think the reveal that he's Catherine Zeta-Jones' father really works or is, like, emotionally resonant at the end or not. Yeah. Because um, that's supposed to be, like, the one emotional knot that kind of gets pulled at the right. end of the movie to make you think that this movie was actually trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from being fun, of course, because it is. Yeah. Um, But I feel like that's a case where we should have had, like, flashbacks with his character when he was younger and it would Mm. be like a younger actor. And then when we cut to him in the present, we can age him up with makeup, um, to kind of show like, Oh, here are these awesome crimes that he committed. Here's these awesome robberies that he did when he was younger. Like Guy Pierce and Prometheus like that. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, actually kind (laughs) of like that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, like I said, a lot of strange choices made in the movie, and I, I feel like I, – I mean, I, I do like Albert Finney, of course, another Bourne alum, um, yeah. but th- th- that whole thing was strange, and, and I like Catherine Zeta-Jones in the movie. I like her, her banter with Brad Pitt, but kind of the having it, – it's similar to the, the, the Tess twist at the end of the first one where it's like the only reason she's – she's given a very flimsy excuse for deciding to join – the quote-unquote bad guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also that scene with her and Finney was shot separately because I think neither of their schedules synced up. Uh. So I don't... I, I think that's why it's just like a shot of face, shot of face, shot of face, shot of face. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Catherine Zeta-Jones... I realize I, I don't think I've seen her in that many movies. Like, I've seen Chicago, obviously, but like... I don't know that I've seen her in a whole lot of things. Um, but, like, I thought she was, you know, fine in this. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was interesting because, like, Vincent Cassell shows up and they're like, oh, that, the movie's like, oh, this is the Night Fox. And I was like, oh, okay. So is he also – because whenever I think of Vincent Cassell, I just think he's going to be, like, some, like, predator in the world of professional ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like he's done multiple times, but I think I'm just thinking of the Black Swan of, or of Black Swan over and over again, because I just assume that he's always like breathing down some young woman's not like his character is always breathing down some young woman, woman's neck, like psychosexually torturing her or something. So I was like, I mean, I buy it, I guess. I, and also, I kept thinking about because we've watched it recently, Muppets Most Wanted, where Ricky Gervais was the lemur, and then he mm-hmm. was wearing the like silly uh, uh, fursuit at the end. And I was like, man, what if Vincent Cassell is dressed like a fox at one point? <laughs> That'd be great. Only. But of course they didn't do it. Because we had to have the same budget. 
like that that's the excuse. You assume they couldn't have put together a, a low-budget fox like a... costume. <laughs> Look, it was either the fox costume or Bruce Willis, so we couldn't have both. And Bruce Willis is like, I, I may know a guy with a fox costume. You may know a guy? Yeah, his name's Bruno. Bruno. <laughs> um, that's my Bruce Willis impression. Hi, I'm Bruce Willis. All right, well, Hi, all right. Well, we, now we need our, our hey. we need our spin-off Disney Plus show called Bruno and the Night Fox, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. I really do. like the idea of Disney buying the oceans. Uh, rights the, the rights to the ocean <laughs> franchise and having just a random spin-off show stuck in the middle of their big press conferences about uh star wars and marvel and how they're gonna like do all these shows just like we're also gonna bring you more more content from the beloved oceans franchise with <laughs> spin-off what's great is everyone thinks they're talking about their movie disney's oceans which is just like one of their <laughs> weird like environmental documentaries <laughs> but it is a crossover technically because it's about earth and the <laughs> <laughs> I I will say though an oceans uh, style escape room at Disney World would probably be pretty fun. That's true. It's very true. If they did that, or they redo the Tower of Terror as some I've never been to Disney World, but they do some kind of like, hey, I'm Brad Pitt. That's all my impressions. Hey, I'm Brad Pitt. Well, that that impression checks out because that's Brad Pitt having to do a voiceover for a theme park, right? <laughs> that's true. Hey, I'm Brad Pitt. Uh. uh. <laughs> It's me, it's me, Carl Reiner. <laughs> also, Bernie Mac doesn't do enough in this movie. I thought I kind of wanted. Yeah, they kind of he may, he may have been busy. Uh, I, I do wonder how how if we're starting to enter scheduling conflicts with uh, yeah. actors that are having to do multiple movies in a franchise. Yeah, apparently this was right after they wrapped Supremacy, and Damon was like exhausted. He huh. was like, "Can I?" Can I not do that much in this one, please? Because I'm so I'm so tired. And Soderbergh was like, "No, <laughs> no, you're kind look, of the linchpin of the whole thing." Look, bud. we're gonna have you look confused and embarrassed the whole movie because you don't remember your lines. Like, we'll make it work, okay? <laughs> okay, Matty boy, and he starts patting him on the head. I give him Talking a little with- Matt pat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I liked the scene at the train station, I think, where Clooney just walks around asking everybody if he looks 50. Because <laughs> yeah. that was where it, where it really did feel like what you said, Tyler, where they just went, well, Warner Brothers is giving us money, so you guys just want to do whatever. <laughs> but it was fun. I, I liked I forget it. I what his interaction out. with Don Cheadle is in that scene, because he asks Don Cheadle. Yeah. And then it goes on. For there's there's some conversation there, and then it ends with George Clooney just like staring off into the distance and like trying to to process what. <laughs> That's pretty good. There. Yeah, I, I did like the plot point of Yen getting stuck in mm-hmm. the the traveling bag and sent off to like another country. <laughs> when I liked, um, there's a joke that uh, Don Cheadle has about. How uh, Julie Roberts or how Tess needs to get her Julie Roberts accent right, and he's like, "If you don't buy the accent, they won't buy the whole thing." <laughs> and I was like, "I get it, I get it." It's also just interesting because the, fir- the these two movie, like in between these two movies, because this was what year did this come out again, Alex? Two thousand four. Oh, okay. So this is right along with Hotel Rwanda because I think that was when Don Cheadle like mm. really hit. 
Um, that was the first time I knew about him, certainly. Um, and so he had, I, I don't know what his like big, big break was, but he, it feels like th- this franchise, cause like in the first movie, you know, he's, he's Don Cheadle. He's an actor in the movie, but in this one and in the next one, it's like, oh no, this is Don Cheadle, like Academy Award nominated, well-known, well-liked actor. So right. it, it was interesting to see how that changed it. Maybe it was just in my head that he felt, I felt like he did more as a result of that, but maybe it was just because Soderbergh was like, oh, we're going to give you more to do because we didn't you know, have a ton in the last movie. Right. So like, I thought it was kind of cool the way they had, um, who's Matt Damon, Don Cheadle. And then who was the third person who didn't get arrested? It's, is it one of the brothers? Was it, was it? Yeah, it might've been, might've been Khan. Not, not Casey Affleck. Yeah. No, that that sounds right. I yeah, yeah, because I think he's one of the uh, he's playing like the faux security for uh, Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of. I, I always like movies where the team gets split up, but it seems kind of random who gets who you know yeah, yeah. who got dusted and who didn't, <laughs> so to sp- so to speak. Yeah, I guess leading into how how did we feel about the overall plot structure of the movie? Because I, I do like the way it starts, where you know Andy Garcia's character comes back and you know, he's like, "I want everything." Like ha- having it be like trying to have consequences yeah. from the first film, and and you know having setting some sort of taking time bomb of like you have two weeks to get me all my money back plus interest and i like how they keep harping on the plus interest and yeah. the whole scene where they're they're all back together and they're discussing well how much money do you guys have left and they're trying to figure out how much mm-hmm. each of them owes um i, I thought all of that was really really fun because they, they started getting into like little petty arguments and stuff i the first kind of red flag for me in terms of the structure was right before that when we have a montage for literally every single person getting confronted by um mm. I just blanked on his name oh, and you just said it. Uh, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia, yes. Um like every person in Ocean's crew gets a scene and it's not it's not quick. It's not it's not each scene is other oh, guys there and he pops up. It's every scene yeah. is 30 seconds to a minute. Um, and it's, it's just long enough that it's like, okay, I get, I get the idea. Can we like the, I, the reason they did that is because they're wanting to show what they're all doing with their money, but I don't think any of them are doing anything so outlandish that it was really necessary. The only one that I thought was really kind of worth it was Casey Affleck trying to, to give the, the, uh, toast or or whatever before his wedding. (laughs) I'm really excited to be married to someone. I'm not going to burn up in a big house fire. <laughs> uh, it was really good. See, that's a different voice that I did for Casey Affleck. <laughs> that's sort of an impression. He's a different guy. <laughs> I, I did also appreciate Livingston's uh, failed comedy. That was, comedy yeah, routine. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> that was pretty, pretty good. But uh, overall, it, it was... To me, far too much sitting around, and that's kind of where I initially was like, "Oh, they just sent the camera crew." <laughs> that Soderbergh came with the camera crew, and he showed up at their doors, and was like, "Hey, let's go find something to, to shoot for your spot for this," because uh, that takes up a solid ten minutes of the movie is just right. seeing what they're all up to, and none of them are doing anything that's like, "Oh, you've you've massively changed your life since then." Like, right. it's fun to see Topher Grace again, <laughs> but. 
also you can give Brad Pitt a bigger scene because he's yeah. one of the bigger characters. Mm-hmm. You, the other guys you either don't have to show or you can be very quick about it. Like you don't have to. Yeah, I guess um, you know one of the things that we talked about with the first one is that you know that that movie is more plot driven versus character driven. So it's okay if we kind of just have our characters be just kind of funny mm-hmm. and, and quirky in their own ways. We can have some some minor character details, but there's not really it's not really character arcs for anyone in that movie aside from like Tess. Right. Yeah. Um. So when you get into this one and it's a lot more lackadaisical, and they still don't have character <laughs> arcs. Um. The closest thing is like Brad Pitt. Tr- he's like the only one that tries to change, and he's like, "I run run a hotel," and I I do like the little details where he's like, "I want to run it well." Mm-hmm. And then, like, halfway through the movie, he's like, dude, I hate running hotels. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the only bit that I, f- I found, like, kind of compelling on a character level. The, the rest of it was just like, okay, you're, you're still not doing anything, but this time it's less justified because there's a less of a story here. Yeah, I – it's interesting because I think this movie unfolds the way a lot of movies unfold where it's like, oh, we have our premise and then the, we, our characters' goals kind of keep switching as new events come up. Which is fine, but I think it, it feels more lackadaisical compared to the first one because the first one is the, – the the goal we get at the beginning is the goal we have at the end. Like right. it's, a, it's a straight line. There are complications that arise that means they have to kind of – like they're going in a straight line, but they kind of have to go, take these little detours to get back to the straight line. Right. But we still – the whole thing is, is just a train going in, in – to one place. And in this movie, there's a lot more like, okay, well, this is what we've got to do. We're going to do it this way. No, 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 we got to go do it this way. Oh, okay, let's switch around and now do this thing. And that's not a problem in like 90% of movies because that's just movies. But it's just comparing it to the first one yeah. and the way it told its story, it feels more sloppy in a way. It, Even though I don't, yeah. I don't think it really is sloppy. No. It's just compared to the first well, one. Well, and I think that's what's really interesting to me is that the plot is actually pretty intricate and I think works well and is mm-hmm. is interesting to follow but it does it's not very interesting to watch because the idea sure. is so basically they're in debt they got to go save like recover that debt so they go to do another job they get interrupted by the night fox who is mad because their last job made uh his mentor say they were maybe Danny Ocean is the best thief of all time um and so he wants to show him up so he does and then they're like, okay, we have to try and like figure out how we're going to handle this because we're this guy's challenging us to a duel, yada yada. Uh, and and during that process, they go to his house and they steal paintings and they purposely get a bunch of them on camera so that they get caught when they try to go steal the Fabergé eggs that they have actually already stolen, but they're faking it so the Night Fox thinks they failed. Uh... And it's like, that's, it all works. Like, it is all, mm-hmm. it is a plot that is entirely, like, consistent. Like, it all makes sense. Right. Um, but the way this actually plays out is they go there, they fail, and, and all get captured. When they all get captured, Brad Pitt, like, smiles, and there's a few other hints that's kind of like, oh, maybe they're doing this on purpose. Um, you get the feeling that it was all part of the plan. And so for the next 30 minutes, there's more kind of waffling about as you're thinking okay it, it seems like they've got something up to their sleeve i'm not particularly like concerned for their well-being they're probably going to get out of this um 
because the the way the movie has, has set this up, they pretty much have to. There's not enough time for them to like save the day and do a turnaround unless they're all just going to get, you know, shipped off to prison or shot, uh, <laughs> which seems out of character. Um, and then they, uh, that once they all get let out, we discover, yes, it was all part of the plan and they stole the egg because the egg was just on a train and they, they stole the egg from a train and they swapped the pack. It's fine. Right. That's basically how they explain it is like, yeah, the egg was on a train and we stole the egg from the train. Um, so instead of with the last one where you have this very intricate thing of, okay, we, we have to set up this crazy situation so that we can actually go in there, take the money and come out all under the noses of this guy. Um, this one is basically, we've already done the thing halfway through the movie. We're just trying to mess with this other guy to make sure that, you know, he realizes that he lost. Uh, and yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It, the the way it actually plays out means that there's very few mom- moments in the movie where you feel like there's real stakes or like they're not going to make it all come together. Um mm. Especially yeah. because the, the the tone of the movie is so lackadaisical, uh, I I just had a very hard time getting into the momentum of it. Scene to scene, I'm like, yeah, this is a fun scene, and I like the way the characters are interacting and the actors are are great. Um, but the overall movie just does not flow very well because it it almost overthinks mm. that plot to the point of being like, you kind of already explained everything that's happening by by the halfway point, and now we're watching it play out and it's pretty clear something is going to work out in their favor, even if it's not, not obvious the exact details. Um, so I think that's my broader problem with it is, is not so much that the plot doesn't work, but that it's, it's not as entertaining as the last one. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how I feel about the ultimate twist being like they, they stole the egg from basically like the halfway point of the movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of lame yeah. <laughs> when we get get to that twist at the end, um, and it's it, you know it that is the one area I feel where it feels like it, it needs to try and step its game up from the first one because the first one is like oh the very last step of getting the money out of the vault that we've got a big switch route twist mm-hmm. of like oh we faked a videotape earlier in the movie and you know. But but that is just like one step in this huge puzzle piece that is robbing the casino. Right. Whereas this is like no, the entire thing they already had done. Right, and this whole thing is just a ruse to to make Vincent Cassell feel, feel embarrassed. Eh, yeah. I'm 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 not I'm not super impressed by that. Although the moment where George Clooney and Julia Roberts are just kind of like at Vincent Cassell's mm-hmm. villa and they're just like sticking it to him. Like that that's all fun. Um But yeah, I, I just the way the plot unfolds or doesn't unfold, I just <laughs> not compelling to me at all. Like basically this movie was coasting on on the humor and, and the the performances of everyone and just kind of Soderbergh style. Which it, it I guess technically is enough to carry the movie because overall I liked it, <laughs> but yeah, and I think as far as, like, if, if I'd seen this in theaters and gone on, like, you know, a week with my friends or a date or something, I think it would be, I think it'd be a really fun in-theater experience where it's like, sure. oh, we're just going to have fun at the movies tonight, and then we all go home and move on with our lives. Like, I think it, I think it really suits that 
experience. Um, I think that's what they were setting out to do. Um, obviously, that's not how I watched it, but right, you know. Well, I think it is interesting when we get back to the third one, and it is. It, it feels kind of like the the first three Indiana Jones movies in a way because you know the first one is like oh we're setting up like got to go hunt for the the old uh, Christian. Uh, MacGuffin and we're fighting Nazis and then the second one is like we're doing this weird cult thing it's a little too dark it's a little too different people don't like that so in the third one back for another mm-hmm. Christian MacGuffin and <laughs> Nazis again and the, the the third one for this I'm not going to give away too much but we do go back to Vegas for another casino robbery mm. um, and I do like the third one quite a bit so I'll be interested in y'all's thoughts but well Tyler you, you like that movie too spoilers I remember liking it but I do not remember much about it Right. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie's like it's another one of those like it's perfect popcorn fodder yeah. like just just have a, a snack or, or something and, and just like enjoy the ride. But you're not going to remember it very much outside yeah. of that. Aside from for me, Vincent Cassell's dancing scene, <laughs> but not not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I, I don't know what I would have done to, to kind of improve prove things aside from removing that dance scene. Like, I don't... You, you would have to do, like, a completely different plot, I feel. Yeah, I would agree. To, to change it up. Like, the way this thing is structured, I feel like if you tried to change, like, one major aspect, you'd just have to change everything. Um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't have... A whole lot. I mean, I watched it a week ago or so, so like I don't remember it as clearly. But also, I think that might say something to its not 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 against it, but just to its like fluffiness. Like, just, you know, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot for me to dig into. I will say it, it's it's nice when we have like I'm not gonna say a binge a movie franchise, but if you're gonna be like I'm gonna marathon the Ocean's movies. Mm-hmm. I think this is the perfect, like, filler movie in a way of, like, it's mm. just light, breezy fun. Like, if I'm going to watch all of these movies, like, that's I, – I don't want a quote-unquote bad one that's just going to drag. Mm-hmm. Like, this is ideally what you want if you're sure. going to get something that's maybe not quite as as good as, as some of the others. Right. So. Should we go on and do grades then? I mean, do you guys have anything else to really crack into? No, I don't think so. Um, Tyler, you want to go first with Grace? I'm, I'm, I'm circling. I'm circling. Uh, I think this feels a little harsh, but I think I'm going to go B minus. Um, uh, it, it is a lot of fun. I just don't know how much it works as a movie. <laughs> it would be my yeah. my uh, summary. Uh, I'm going to do B plus mm-hmm. because. I, I had a good time watching it, but I continue to just not really have any investment in these movies, which is not to the movies, not 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 because they're bad. Just that, that says more about me as a, a viewer and the, the stuff that I watch. But I had a good time watching it. So, yeah, I'm I'm honestly I, I was considering going harsher than you, Tyler. Ooh. I'm I'm stuck between a B minus and a C plus. Um, I'll go B minus. Because I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Which, I mean, Valentine's a C, a C plus 
<laughs> a C plus from me is still technically a positive review. So, but yeah, I think that might that might be a little too harsh. B minus. Nice. So I think so. Did, Britain, did you give the last one a B plus or a B? A B. Because I think we gave the same grade of A. Yep. So we both gave the last one an A, and you gave it a B. And then you moved up one, and we swung in like the mm-hmm. entire opposite direction. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, and mine is based purely on level of enjoyment rather than analysis. Sure. Right. Because um, it feels like there are some movies that I watch. Like Across the Universe is actually a good re- uh, example of this where I watch it, and I'm like, I honestly can't tell you whether I think this is good or bad because this is just not for Britain. Like mm-hmm. this is just not moving in the direction that I'm moving in. Right. Um, this is, this hues, I guess a, a little closer, but it's just, this is not the kind of stuff I would naturally watch. Right. So I kind of have to like go by, well, just how did I feel? <laughs> and I, I felt more entertained during mm. this one. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but now I can do a. We can do some r- r- recommendations. Um, oh my god! I, uh, because we <laughs> took a few days to fix technical issues, I managed to get in a movie to recommend, uh, and this is a good Valentine's recommendation. But really, it's a good anytime recommendation. Uh, this is a movie called Love and Basketball. Uh, it was the feature debut of Gina Prince Blythewood, who just released. Um, well, last year released The Old Guard, um, hmm. which. I think I thought it was like a a pretty good like middle upper middle level comic book action movie. I did like, watch that? It was neat. Yeah, nice time. Probably not going to watch My it again. My review but... would be that uh, who's the I'm not remembering names tonight. Who's the main actress in that? Who, oh, Charlize. Theron? Charlize yeah, Theron. Yeah. Charlize Theron. Uh, Charlize Theron has a has a big old like axe weapon thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite good. Yeah, and that's yeah, there's some good that's the... there's some good stuff in that, and that's I think that was her first like Prince Blythewood's like first like action movie, mm-hmm. so I thought you know she did a pretty good job with it. Uh, this is not an action movie. This is from the year two thousand, and it is the story of these two people played by Omar Epps and Sanaa Lathan, who meet as like eleven year olds, and they're both like really passionate about basketball, and it just tracks their lives and their relationships as they weave in and out of each other's lives as they both pursue their own ambitions with basketball and interact with their families and with each other. And it's a movie that really, like I watched maybe about 45 minutes of it and then like had to go and do some other stuff. And when I came back to finish it, I found myself getting much more involved in it. Like it really started to grow on me because it does such a good job of tracking the characters and develop, actually developing them over the course of the movie and of their lives. Um, Sanaa Lathan is really, really good in it. Omar Epps is also quite good. And you got a bunch of, like, <clears throat> like uh, Alfre Woodard and Dennis Haysbert and Regina Hall and Gabrielle Union. Tyra Banks is randomly mm. in it, <laughs> and, which I was like, oh, right, she used to act before uh, she did the, the – uh, there's a lady that let them down, but they were rooting for them, I guess, <laughs> on, on the model show. Um <laughs> Before she judged America's Next Top Model. That's what I was trying to get at. Britain, of all the things that you were trying to rely on me and Tyler to help you with, (laughs) Tyra Banks' career might have been the worst option possible. I mean, it was a meme. You guys like memes. (laughs) You go to to memes.com and... boomer. 
<laughs> you guys go to iFunny and <laughs> see what's going on. Um, no, but uh, I, I, I found it very uh, touching, quite romantic, and, and just like a really... It, it doesn't do anything really bombastic in terms of style. It just tells a story about these two people and their lives really effectively. Um, it's just good, like, human drama. Uh, it is streaming on HBO Max and, I believe, on Hulu as well. Uh, I really liked it, and it's got a really good, like, 2000s soundtrack. Uh, I guess 90s, technically. Uh, Love and Basketball. Alex? Uh, first, I wanted to say that I, I, I don't know if either of you were looking... To, to see my reaction when you mentioned love and basketball, I was trying to stifle laughter because the first thing I thought of was the way back. <laughs> the way back, parentheses, love and basketball. <laughs> I think love and basketball is the way back's title in Germany. <laughs> um, my uh, recommendation is going to be Nomadland, um, which is a new movie. Starring Francis McDormand, uh, I think it's going to be one of the big Oscar contenders. Yeah, looking um, like it. Uh, Cecilia and I, friend of the podcast, Cecilia and I, um, risked going to a, a movie theater nearby. It was one of those dine-in theaters, but uh, mm. there were like two or three people in the auditorium, so nice. we were pretty pretty good on that. Um, the movie's excellent. Um, probably the best film I've seen. Um for at least the award season, but you know, going—I don't know if it's technically under 2020 or not uh, at this point. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's the best movie I've watched in a while. Um, <laughs> for people that don't know about it, uh, Francis McDormand plays um, a nomad or traveler. Um, she basically just kind of uh, wants to travel the road on a van with not a whole lot um to tie her down and kind of just a character exploration and exploring the culture of of people who do that just kind of abandon everything and and just kind of live these these lives that aren't aren't tied down um and it's a really really interesting um uh really lovely performance from her and i don't know it's just like i don't know how much of it was just like I, you know, I, I don't think either of you have, have been able to go to a movie theater for the past year or so. Uh, Cecilia and I have gone, you know, maybe two or three times uh, whenever the opportunity has been made available to us. Um, but it's just nice, like, seeing a really great movie in a theater. <laughs> sure. Um, but and yeah, I, I think I, I've heard people talking about how nice it is to see such wide open spaces that, that like, has a particular yeah. poignancy to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. The, the cinematography is great. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it's not for the faint of heart. It's definitely like a, a kind of sad tearjerker of a movie. Um, but it's it's really solid, and and I I, I would grade wise, I'd consider giving it an A plus. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch that when I get the chance. That is that is really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, also, uh, we've been watching The Leftovers. Ah, Shocker! Ooh. The Leftovers is amazing. So watch yeah, I gotta the get back on that. Yeah, I've been, I have not tried it, but I've been. That's been one that's also a tearjerker, pessimistic show. Sure. Man, so. that thing is crushing. <laughs> like literally every episode, that's like I don't know how they can. Oh, they just oh they they made it more depressing. <laughs> like every episode, it's kind of like um, there was some show that I, I remember watching. I don't know if it was Breaking Bad or something else. Where I'm like, 
No, maybe it was the Ozarks, uh, where mm. it's like every episode somehow they are able to continue ramping up the tension and putting these characters in a situation where I'm going, I don't know how they get out of that. Yeah. And it continues to do that with literally every <laughs> single episode. And I, I kind of feel about that the same way I do with The Leftovers, but just in terms of how depressing it is. I, I think I watched the first season of that, and I need to just go back and restart it and like be in the right headspace for it. But I just remember there being a sound effect of a rock hitting a human face, and it was such an effective bit of sound effect. It was this really, oh boy, it was effective. Yep. Yep. And it's not a particularly graphic, I mean, it's a graphic shot, but it's not like not like Bone Tomahawk or something. But it was just right. the sound they, they used was just so, like, visceral. Yeah. Ugh. Um, one other thing I will say, if, uh, if you watched Avengers Endgame and, and went, I need to live more in the world where everyone's just depressed because <laughs> a whole lot of people are gone, The Leftovers is the show for you. And if you watched Hereditary and said, I need to see more of Anne Dowd being amazing and also haunting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, boy. And also, if you wanted to go, oh, Justin Theroux, writer of Iron Man 2 and Zoolander 2, and went... <laughs> This guy's going places. Maybe he'll get a cameo <laughs> in a Star Wars movie. Then this is the show for you. <laughs> um, Tyler, I know you said you've been reading comics. Do you have any cool mm. books or anything else you want to talk about? I don't know if I because so part of the reason part of our technical difficulties this week was that my internet went out for a day, and so that like mm. screwed up a lot of a lot of uh, schedule. Um, but no, I haven't. I have. So far, like this year, I've not been nearly up as up on my uh, my movie watching. Um, in that regard, I have been reading some comics. I don't know that I've found anything that I want to to highlight right now. Um, sure, but yeah, I, I've been. I'll, I'll I'll come up with something soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you are. Got, a, you got a kid. <laughs> there are a ton of uh, movies dropping on like HBO Max and um, yeah, Nomadland. It, Sorry if I just missed this. Uh, did, did y'all mention that that's coming to Hulu? Uh, no, but it is. I don't remember when. Yeah, next, yeah. You said next February week? 19th. Okay. Awesome. February yeah. 19th, yeah. Um, so that's when I will definitely be catching. Uh, but there's there's a lot of other good stuff coming around that I need to be catching up on. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I still got it. I haven't been, I've been caught up on my 2020 stuff, or 2020, 2021, like mm-hmm. this season of movies in a while, so I may need to... Get on that now that we're getting close to nominations. So, big stuff. But I'm also going to have to watch Ocean's Thirteen because that's next week. Yeah, which will which will be fun. I'm interested to see who that thirteenth person is. <gasps> Maybe it's Pauly Shore. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's Goofy himself. Maybe it's um, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Good day. It's not. Tyler, where can they find uh, us? You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, the internet, the dark web. <laughs> That's where Alex is selling his Zack Snyder t-shirts. <laughs> it's not the literal dark web. It's just that's what he calls his Etsy shop. <laughs> thedarkweb.tumblr.com yeah uh. <laughs> indeed well thank you guys for joining us uh, sorry for the delay but we'll you know 
We'll get a next. We'll get him next time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a third act twist. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you soon. I've been Britain. I've been. I've been Alex. Oh. Oh, I've been Tyler. And <laughs> you're having a good night. <laughs>